Hey guys, it's Edge Martinez. They call me the voice of New York. And 50 years ago, hip hop started right here in New York City. And we're celebrating the five boroughs all year long. Check out nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop for cultural stories, events, interviews, and more. nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop. Good morning, good evening, whenever you're listening to this podcast. How's it going? I'm Tyler Dunn here with Jim Monas, the Go Long podcast at golongtd.com, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever, however. Jim, how you doing, my man? How you been? Cheers. Well, we got we to cheers to the weather today here in Western New York, don't we? Glorious. It's glorious, glorious. isn't it? It's the yeah, off season. Yeah, we got 70s all it's week, off- baby. It's the off season, so when you get that warm weather, it officially makes you feel like, you know, it's time now. Like, what are we going to talk about? What's it? What's in the news and football? It's that you know, but there's plenty to talk about. There always is. You know, you know, you've really reached. You know, you've become a middle-aged man when what you look forward to most in life is mowing the lawn. I've been looking oh. forward to that first mow for months. And it was unbelievable. Just popped a good audio book on, re- listening to Atomic Habits, great book, on Chris Bergen's advice, right? We talked to him for a story, go along, the Northwestern that. linebacker. He highly recommended it, and everybody does. It's great. But um, it was good. I got to say, I'm off my game, though. I missed some spots. The grass was high. The neighbor thought that we were dead. She said, where you been? The grass was getting pretty high. They were concerned. They were concerned. Yeah. But we were grinding on the draft. What can you do? Two kids, draft coverage. It was, it was lagging. But that first mo, it's, it's hard to beat. I mean, and not to mention you're writing a book. <laughs> that too. Yeah. We're on the just final search things, Just a couple things going on. I don't know how gory I want to get with this, but the, with the mo, you know, opened up the shed and there were a couple mice that scattered about. Mm-hmm. and thinking okay party's over guys party's over now we're setting the traps every day and taking care of business there but i started mowing jim and let's just say on the about the first or second lap around near the shed there were there was oh. a little carnage a little carnage yeah i, I thought you carnage were, yeah i had a so feeling they were, you might go that way they were inside inside <sighs> that uh that john deere hanging around the blades unfortunately hopefully pete is not listening but it's survival of the fittest. I guess that's why we're above mice on the food chain, right? You know, and when you're scouting players, awareness is such a major factor. Yeah, if you're the, the mice have to be a little bit aware of where they're resting or sitting. Yeah. There had to be some sense of, you know, feeling to know that that blade might be able to get you. And sounds like you try to give them a chance. You know, at some point you have to have awareness. You got to have some spatial, spatial awareness, right? That's fair. That's fair. Spatial awareness. Very, very poor. And you know what? I, I let it run for a while before I popped the, the old blade. That's what I'm saying. You were trying to. I gave him, I gave him a fair opportunity, right? It's kind of like you're at, you're at war. You let out a gunshot. There's a little warning, little warning shot there. And uh, they didn't, they didn't react. They didn't react. So, but other than that, it was a great mo. It was great. You, but it's you feel like there's that. room. What's that? Room for improvement. There's room for improvement, though. You saw some things you weren't happy about. Well, yeah, the push mower. Um, you know, with, with that with that tall grass it stalled out a few times. Weed whack. I mean, is there a weed whacker that works in the world? Honestly, for the love of God. I mean, I I I feel like I, I want to take it like it's a hockey stick and just crack it against the goalie net and sp- split it in half, like. 
yeah, that gonna have to get a new weed whacker. So we're 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 a little, you know, it's looking pretty rough around the trees and in the yard. But we'll uh, we're gonna watch the film, correct, <laughs> correct our errors, and uh, you get after it. We. You keep saying we. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get Sonny out there. You know, he's nine months, but we'll get we'll get him right. out there. Yeah, he's he's, he's working. working. <laughs> That'll probably be a good feeling for you someday. Yeah, you know what though? It's one of those things I I think I'm just gonna always it. want to you do it. it. Yeah, yeah, you kind of can escape everything. It's right? some people like golf, some people like doing yard work. It's whatever you can do to get that escape for a little bit. Yeah, that's true. Or go to the casino or <laughs> you know, whatever whatever that one thing is that you need to do to we were going to do a podcast a couple days ago and you said, well, I got this window of opportunity because I'm shooting over to the old shooting over to casino. casino. Yeah. It was pretty good. It was good. A little, little pre-dinner, you know, a little blackjack. Had a good you, table uh, downtown. It was nice. Had a good table. Yeah, it was nice. Good time. Success with the, uh, the yeah, little, little success, nothing big, but you know, roller coaster ride, kept the heart beating. Good. Had fun. Good, good entertainment. Harmless entertainment. Well, I figured for this podcast episode, Jim, we'd um, kind of break it off into two parts, as people probably see in their feeds right now. But the free agency is pretty much over, right? There's a few out there. You can get at bargain rates. But by and large, all the big names are on teams. The draft's over. Everybody's moving on to the 2029 mock drafts by now maybe 2030s, maybe looking at some sonograms and, you know, reading some heartbeats, seeing who's got some good spatial awareness in there. It is incredible. But, uh, I swear. I, I saw something from McShay right away after the draft. Like he seriously had one ready to go, like top 20, you know, for next year, quarterbacks are going to be, bit, you know, it's like, man, you know, it's, yeah. I mean, I get it. It's, it's that, no, it, it chum, is chum that, in the water. People want it. No you doubt. know, who are the names? <laughs> it's always funny how people decide or who's going to be awful next year. We'll mock, we'll mock them at the top of the mock for the future. I think he did it with, I think he said uh, he was just ranking the players, no teams. Okay. Well, that's, that's, uh, we'll, that's allow fair. we'll allow it. I mean, it is his job. It's his job. But with everything off season wise, kind of yeah. figured out, you know, we've got some, Big decisions kind of looming. Baker Mayfield, Jimmy Garoppolo, right? There, there's some other stuff to work out, but we figured we'd do one episode on a couple teams each that we think have positioned themselves really, really well and could maybe make a serious run at the playoffs, contention. Just we think that they handled their business the right way and added talent the right way. And then Part two, we'll uh, look at the other side of the coin, Jim, and, and see what teams kind of screwed themselves potentially and are uh, treading water or worse. But let's start with happy times, good times, and I'll let you uh, take the floor. I So mine are pretty – I don't know if they're boring for who I think is going to be good because they were good last year, but I just can't – I'm pretty simple. When If you have a quarterback and you have defense – I think you're going to be just fine. And I, I think the two teams, no matter – the one team is kind of obvious, the Buffalo Bills. I just see no reason why they aren't going to make a run at it again. And the Green Bay Packers. And I, and my reason for the Packers right now is why would Rodgers come back and play unless he really fully is invested and believes and, and is upset maybe a little embarrassed. I don't know. I mean, we, we talk about him all the time. So, I mean, it's almost, and I've admitted I'm, I'm, I can't stick up for him anymore with what, how he's played in the playoffs. It makes no sense to me, but he's still the best. He's still the best in the league. He's at least one of the top three, five, however you want to get into those arguments, but, and then look at their division. Bears, Vikings, Detroit counting out uh, Dan Campbell's I, I, that's what I'm saying so right off the bat you, you're still I mean to me there's such a gap you know quarterback wise in that division I just uh, to me same with the Bills 
you know, I think the gap between Josh Allen and every other quarterback in that division is big. So I just like those teams' chances to at least, you know, get that number one or two seed, get some home field, make the run. It's boring, though. I mean, I mean, I know it's kind of boring, but. Well, it's pandering, Jim. You're, you're pandering <laughs> to our audience. So that's never a bad thing, you know, here and there. Pick your spot. No. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's just so. Politician I, Monus. It's hard to believe. I know. It's just, I just can't, I can't see those teams faltering. You know, I just don't see it. I don't either. I know you're, those are two great picks and I'm, I'm guessing a lot of people listening to this, listen to Bob McGinn and myself on the podcast. Well, that, I was good. I, that one really had me, you know, cause I'm, I'm sitting there. I defend Gutekiss. I'm kind of, you know, on his side. I think their team is pretty good. I don't know these rookies that they drafted. Like I don't know them well enough. If they're going to be plug and play starters, those two guys from Georgia, the green Bay right. took, um, I think they're plug and play. I mean, they took them in the first round. So, you know, a lot of that will depend, you know, factor in on their defense for sure. But I don't, you lost Devontae Adams, you know, tough one, but you didn't lose the guy that matters. So, yeah, I think they were stunned to lose Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, Brian Gutekunst. Players were, um, I talked to a couple, nobody really saw it coming. I think we all assumed like, okay, it's this package deal, quarterback, receiver. They've kind of, Rodgers has really been able to extend his greatness because of Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams has been able to become a top three wide receiver because of Aaron Rodgers. They kind of seem best for each other, but you lose him. You get a decent haul. You don't have to pay him. I feel like, you know, at Bob's point, and it's hard to argue with Bob, he, talks to scouts around the league. Like he knows these prospects better than anybody in the media, I'd say. Um, So yeah, I don't know. Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, Christian Watson. We'll see how these guys pan out, but the philosophy of Gudikins I think is sound. And you talk about this on this podcast too, Jim, where, you know, you lose a wide receiver and instead of just kind of treading water and just drafting a guy or signing like I feel like they're they're trying to win this new way, this different way, and they want like you said they've got the quarterback, they've got a hell of a running game. If they can figure out the line, there's you know they lost some some guys up there, but they drafted some guys too. You can win this other way. I mean, you, you they're really strong in the middle of their defense. You've got Kenny Clark now, Devontae Wyatt, Quay Walker, De- Devontae Campbell. Like that's the middle of your defense where. I think of these playoff losses that the Packers have had and it's been, you know, Marshawn Lynch running right up the gut Seattle. It's been just, I mean, San Francisco, Raheem Mostert doing whatever he wanted to in the NFC championship game last year, San Francisco, what third and seven, third and whatever it was. And they run for the first down. Like they, they needed to get physically tougher and that was kind of the counterpunch that I think Gudikins had. I, I think that he, you know, he didn't just want to keep throwing the uppercut, you know, throwing the same. He, he's looking for a different punch. I think that if these guys work out, hey, I don't know much about Quay Walker, Devontae. Well, I really don't. I'm not saying I'm an expert on Georgia. Football. Nobody, nobody really knows. I mean, but his, but his track record is pretty good when it comes to drafting defensive players. I, I appreciate you bringing that up because we talked about that on the draft happy hour about that that spinning wheels, losing a guy in free agency and then drafting his position the first round. It's just, did you get better? What did you do? And this is his way of saying, okay, we, we have a philosophy. We stick to the best player, the guys we think can help us right away. And who, however they believe, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, cause I like Gutekiss and I like to see how he didn't panic. He stuck to what he believes took two guys, which I, I've always said, if I was ever a GM, if you had the quarterback in place, I swear I'd be drafting defense nonstop. Nonstop. Is that right? Yep. Just keep building that defense. The quarterback will take care of the offense. He'll find a way. That's interesting because I think a lot of people would think you go the Polian route. Remember with Peyton Manning, it seemed like they were drafting yeah. Reggie Wayne, Edron James, Dallas Clark just like a weapon high in the draft year yeah. after year. But 
maybe maybe the other way is is better. Maybe you just let that quarterback figure it out. Yeah, and I'm saying that like I wouldn't force it. I would just I, it wouldn't like I wouldn't I wouldn't do that either. I wouldn't go the other way and just say just because you have a great quarterback, let's just keep giving him weapons. No, at some point, that's the reward of having that great quarterback. He's going to make other people better. And if you if you put you put a defense out there with a great quarterback. That's a, that's a dom. I mean, it's just a formula for success and we've seen it over and over. Like you're going to make the run every year. You'll be relevant. And where I would disagree with Bob is he, he basically labeled the receiving core, a collection of number threes, (laughs) which he made a really good point. I mean, if you look at the raw numbers and what they've done, I agree. He might be right. He might be right. I think, and we talked about, I think, and you may be as well. I'm a little higher on Sammy Watkins. Huge if, huge if. But if he's out there, if he's on the field. You never know. He can still give you something. Boy, Um, that that would be, (laughs) that would be the story (laughs) of the year right there. Alan Lazard is Alan Lazard. He'll he'll block really well. He'll make the catch when it's thrown to him. He's not a burner, but he is what he is. Um, they need something out of Amari Rogers, third round pick from last year. Christian Watson is, is kind of Marquez Valdez Scandling. He, he's going to beat you deep. He's going to run the deep over and there's work that deep play action. They can, they can get and there's something still out of him. There's still guys out there. There's still time. You never know who could sneak in there. And, you know, it, it's, but Odell Beckham. Boy, that would be fun too. Beckham to think that Beckham and Sammy could be on the same team after that being in that same draft. Oh man, that'd be great. All the time we oh man. You had a few conversations about those two and the Bills. It's uh, incredible to think about meeting to think that they would both be in Green Bay. Anything else on Green Bay? Any no, I, I, I was curious on? to hear. I was kind of curious to hear what, how you thought about that. Because I know they are boring, I don't want to say boring picks, but I mean you know, if we're talking about the two teams, I have high expectations for it's those teams. I mean, I like the way they're built. Love the quarterbacks, love the defenses. And I'm going to go back to, so our subscribers can read the whole series um, at golongtd.com. All of Bob's draft coverage, it's underneath the uh, McGinn draft tab at the top of the screen. So um, every single position, he's got a column, leads with a, a story, with an angle, and then it gets into the rankings, which is really a poll of the scouts and all of their thoughts. But Quay Walker uh, was his number three linebacker. And, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it now. Opinions were all over the place. Um, you know, check, check it out to read in full. But one scout said that his instincts suck, but the guy can run. Uh, you take a shot on him. He's not a green dot. Doesn't think he can run a defense. Another guy <laughs> says he's physical, taking on blocks. Uh, what else we got here? Another guy says, um, another scout, it's hard to find those ones that are big and can run. He'll strike you. He'll be a Mike. He'll be able to match guys athletically in coverage. I don't know what else you really want out of a linebacker like that. That's funny. I was the way you just said that. I was thinking, man, that's geez. That sounds okay to me. Yeah, it's here's here's my last my last team that I was thinking about, but the 49ers, I'm always fascinated with how they're, you know, what they're going to do a quarter. Like there's no way Garoppolo is going to be there, is there? I mean, that thing's got to be done, right? They said goodbye to him. Like I would think that teams are waiting to check out his shoulder. Yeah, and I'm just not ready. He can't throw. He can't work out for anybody. Why would you? I just like that team so much. Anything for him, you know. If Debo comes back, and I just love that team so much, but I'm not ready to put Trey Lance in that. You know, I need to see him play because, like we talked about, what I saw from him did not look good to me. So, definitely a team that uh, I'm planning on doing a deep dive on this off season because a lot of reasons you're talking about. There's a lot of intrigue. I mean. They they were a game away from the Super Bowl. You're handing the keys to a pretty big unknown. unknown. Complete unknown. I think Debo Samuel's warming back up, it seems. I don't know. The fact that we just haven't heard much the last week and a half, two weeks, I think is probably good for San Francisco. And you've just got – I mean, you've got 
players on both sides of the ball who can just take over a game. That's why I'm, I'm intrigued by them. Kittle, Debo, Bosa, Warner. All over the place. Tough players. So, Agreed. So who you got? Who, who are teams that you expect some big things for? Who are the teams oh, you're running the FanDuel? You're, you're going to FanDuel tonight to take. Well, I'm not gambling anymore, Jim. I, uh, I'm done. I'm done. I'm out. You want enough. You had your fill. Yeah, but I took advantage of those uh, those free giveaway. Yeah. You, know, you I did made out pretty right good. And I know when to say no. I know, I know my strengths. All right, let's. I, I think this could backfire. The old, the old takes exposed. Police could come and get me. This team has basically been bait on the line for so many people, year after year. You remember? <laughs> do you remember those infomercials back in the nineties? Banjo minnow lures. They were. No. You know, I don't. That doesn't ring a bell. Oh my god! It was, it was this commercial was on. It was almost like on as much as the Tomamansky back to back to back AAU World Championship commercials. But uh, it was a fishing lure, and it was on TV all the time. And I'm, we got it when we were little kids, and we went fishing with our grandpa all the time. I don't know if we caught one fish in that lure. I mean, on TV <laughs> they're showing like these twenty five inch bass just just taking it. That's kind of been the Miami Dolphins for a lot of people for several years. But I'm going to buy that banjo lure, throw it in the water, and believe in 2022. Right now, I kind of like Miami. I think that they have a smart coach in Mike McDaniel who is going to maximize everybody in the run game especially. They went out and they, they they just added a ton of talent. And I think if you have a quarterback on a rookie deal, you have to do it. I mean, go right down the list. Obviously, Tyreek Hill. But Cedric Wilson was really good last year for Dallas. Um, Taron Armstead at left tackle. I mean, you you know Saint, the Saints as well as anybody. He's, I really like him. Strong, strong pickup. Connor Williams at left guard. Um, look at their running game. Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, Sony Michelle, Miles Gaskin. You got four backs. You made a good point talking about the coach being smart, and he's had success with Garoppolo. We've talked about it on this show. I think Tua can be like, I see those guys as similar type players where Tua has shown some signs of, of good things, just like Garoppolo does. The one, the, the one thing they both have in common is just the gut-wrenching, horrible decision-making turnovers that you can't explain. But can that be, you know, can that change? Sure. I mean, you just made my point. I, the fact that they were able to move the ball and win games and score points with Jimmy Garoppolo, who just kind of, he's a quarter, he's that no, 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 no kind of quarterback where you almost had what three pick sixes against Green Bay at Lambeau Field in the playoffs. I feel like two was better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I wouldn't couldn't say that yet, I w- but yes, could he be better? Yeah, I think he might be able to be. There's a little more m- movement. I don't know. I mean, he, he was accurate no. last year. It was he when they, they had that winning streak. He was so good on opening drives of games and, and the mm-hmm. way they do play action. He is so natural with it. And then the red zone and the, the decision-making, you just can't explain it sometimes. Yeah. You know, there's certain guys that you have to just, that that's the only thing I, that really jumped out every week. I watched him and you're never going to consistently win when you have quarterback, you, the quarterback can't, you can't have that, that flaw in your game where you turn the, the game changes on a turnover, you know? I, I'm not ready to, to take that leap and just say that he's going to be Josh Allen next year. But I think that there's a formula that could work for Miami. But I feel bad now. Like that's to me, that's a, like, that's a gutsy pick. Like a, like you put some, (laughs) 
where I just took Green Bay and Buffalo. Wow, that was real hard. So would every, you know, fifth grade. One of us has a set of balls and one of us doesn't, Jim. What can you do? I was going to say, I'm just feeling a little like I'm I'm letting you, like, oh, really, Jim? You think Green Bay and Buffalo might be good? I mean, I think they were pretty much the one in number one seed last year and Buffalo, whatever. Uh, You know. That's that old NFL.com has those bold predictions every week. Yours is more of a bold prediction. Jalen Waddle. I mean, hello. We forget about him as a rookie. I mean, he was a. He's he's basically kind of a your running game. I mean, you you can dump it off to him and just let him go. I mean, the tight end is is a weapon. Mike Gusecki, who by the way is now coached by one of the best tight end coaches in NFL history, John Embry. Ooh, good call. I like that. He coached Tony Gonzalez in Kansas City. He coached so, George Kittle in San Francisco. I, and in between, I like that Miami. Yep. You look at Embry's past, Jim. Like he had Jordan Cameron in Cleveland when Jordan Cameron had that crazy right. year of like 900 yards. Right. He had Kellen Winslow in Tampa. He had, um, I want to say, Chris Cooley in Washington. Everybody, every tight end he's had has had like a career year. Bookended by Tony Gonzalez taking off and George Kittle. I I don't know why San Francisco would fire him, why he they would let him out of the building, but he's in Miami and he's he's gonna. I mean, I think Mike Gusecki has a thousand yards. Well, they've got a lot of weapons, and we'll see with Tua. He's got that potential to be a thousand yard, twelve touchdown tight end. Yeah, and those that style of offense that they run. I mean, those tight ends have success. So, and we're only talking about the offense. I think defensively, look, they, I've, I've criticized their drafts. Chris Greer has been there a long time. There hasn't, there's been some bad picks mixed in there, but a few of them have a shot. I mean, I'm Jalen Phillips turned it around last year, showed some potential Christian Wilkins and the D line. You you signed Emmanuel Ogba. He gave you some pass rush. I guess the pass rush would maybe be a little bit of concern. See what you get out of those guys compared to you go to the AFC West. Every single team has two like legit studs. Um, you, you made a you you really did make you made a bold prediction because I I you know you did I, I mean I'm I'm saying I like it like there's always a team obviously it's going to take a step you didn't really think about and they have that potential to if to a Zamian Howard might be the best cornerback in football question he covers and he makes plays um, I think you know who the wild card might be they didn't have many high picks but this Channing Tindall I don't know much about him. But I'm just either. researching, watching a little, if if all right, like this is the big if, the big wild card. If 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 he as an athletic linebacker can kind of be that dude who can spy and roam and keep his eyes on Josh. I mean, it's it's about Josh Allen, right? Josh Allen kills his team. He owns the Miami yeah. Dolphins right now. That's but if he can be that player, yeah. right? They they need an athletic linebacker who can. You're not going to stop Allen, but contain him to an extent, steal some possessions. Maybe he's that guy that gives him a shot. Especially after the Micah Parsons success. I'm not, I don't know much about this, but he's not, might not be that edge guy that Parsons was, but that type of athletic player that can change the game. Well, just to continue to, uh, you know, be a marketing whiz here and tease Bob's draft series, right? I've got Channing Tindall's scouting report up right now, Jim. Uh, so this is them? from the scouts. And, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's all over the place. One guy said he gets locked on a guy and it's over. When he arrives, he is not in a pleasant disposition. His <laughs> issue is he's not smart. You just worry about him mentally. So this guy's basically saying he's violent, but he's not that smart. One guy said he's going to be like Bobby Wagner. If it clicks, he could be a stud. Wow. Um Another guy, another scout, he worked out crazy like all those Georgia guys did. They use him to do one thing, run in a straight line. Um, he ran a 4'5", 6'2", 228. He played in 50 games and never started because they rotate their linebackers so much at Georgia. Those Georgia, it's hard to figure out. I'm at, all right, so let me ask you this, Jim. You're a scout. You're studying a team like, I mean, historically great defense like Georgia – they had just their whole defense was drafted. How do you figure out who's good? Who's a product of the system? That's got to be so hard to sort through. 
you, Georgia had a defense like this when I was scouting the Southeast. Um, Bakari Rambo was the safety. Um, they had about, in fact, I want to say we took their defensive tackle uh, Jenkins with the Saints. Um, I'd have to go back and look at that draft, but they had like nine starters get drafted. And I remember you basically would spend, you could possibly spend two to three days there just on their defense. Like if you're really doing it the right way, it's probably worthwhile to take that time as a scout. And then, then you might come back a month later and then spend, you know, two days on the offense, you know, if you have to, but I'm telling you, there are certain teams that where you knew during the week, you're like, like Florida state was that team when I was scouting too, where they were, I mean, you're looking at 18, 19 guys, like, it's unbelievable the amount of time you spend. Yeah. And you get into your point. It can be guys that aren't starting is where we were talking about that. I mean, the bills, they took a chance on a player like that from Georgia on the other side of the ball, right? James cook running back. Oh, he didn't, he didn't another, start right, that much. He didn't, right. he was underutilized, but you're projecting this player to fit in the NFL game. Um, which it happens. Look at George it Kittle happens. at Iowa. It happens. I mean, George Kittle statistically wasn't well, always we much. Remember, we talked about that. He had drops. He didn't put up great stats. I mean, they had his but the whole NFL him. saw. But remember, the whole NFL saw him that way. You know, that's why he did. You know, so it wasn't just that he really. You know, where like Cook goes in the second round. That's a you know, fifth round. Talk about Kittle. That that's is true. The NFL just everybody saw him. The everybody same. did miss him, but he something inside of him projected well because it was year two that he set the record for most receiving yards ever by a tight Incredible. end. Incredible! Incredible! I have that Georgia defense up in 2012 that you, that you referenced there. And okay, like they had some stuff. It wasn't like Do, this crew, but yeah, no. But go through it. Yeah, I was talking about the amount of guys. This crew, I think, probably had more first rounders. Alec Ogletree had Ogletree. 111 tackles. Oh, man, Jarvis took, Jones. Took, Jarvis Jones, 14 and a half sacks. I forgot about Jarvis Jones. He went high, right? Pittsburgh first round. Yeah. He just oh. was a yeah. But remember the short arms, he didn't have the stats, but he had the production. He a lot of things. He was tough. He was a tough, good football player, but yeah. Lack Kari Rambo, uh Sanders Cummings. Uh, Cummings. Like Don Jenkins. Jenkins was the guy we drafted yep. in New Orleans, too. Kwame Gethers. Remember all the Getherses? There's a bunch huge. of them. He was huge. Yeah, there was a decent crew there. Um, decent. They weren't like the – like you said, they, they didn't pay – like, but they had a, a good amount drafted. I, I really want, I want to say they had nine drafted. One more team like, for you. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll see with Miami. I just feel like – That's a bowl. I like it. Ty- like I Tyreek's going to be a problem. I don't, I don't care who his, his quarterback is – I mean, get him the ball, you know, run, no, don't think for a, a second, out. don't think for a second, the bills weren't, the bills were like, great. Like we sit there and we've been, you know, trying to beat him in KC every, these last couple of years. And now we got to deal with them in our division. Well, if I'm Brandon Bean, yeah, I'm guessing he'd be the one in charge at this point on deciding who to sign. Although he probably has Sean McDermott and Azir on, on this matter. Oh. Right, you're doing everything in your power to get James Bradbury. I, I, I honestly, that would be hard for me to think he doesn't end up in Buffalo. Just knowing really? the way Sean used to talk, Sean loved Bradbury, loved him. So, when did you guys talk about him? We just talked. I think he. Oh, I'm going to tell you why we talked about him because Sean wanted to know what we felt about him coming out when he was coming out of Samford. Because Sean, I think he was trying to see kind of hey how did you evaluate him you know coming out to see if we were on the same page with him like this is my style of guy like physical T- testing you and dugout yeah and he was a guy we did spend a lot of time on I can remember going to Sanford's practice in fact I was there with um Mark Ross a friend of our you know NFL network I remember we were at practice together I mean he was just he looked like an NFL starting corner I mean you know we always talk about that sometimes you just see a guy like yeah he, take him off the bus he can play but anyway that was his way just talking about Bradbury and that was a guy we went back and forth on 
Uh, Ed Reed loved him at the time when he was coaching in Buffalo. Ed Reed loved James Rabbit. I do remember that. It makes a lot of sense. Even though you drafted one in the first round, I mean, you don't know Tredavious White's status. Can't have enough of them. You really can't. Window is open, right? Bring them on. Keep bringing them on. Waddle as a number two, number three now in the slot against your third or fourth best. I mean, it's just there's a lot of problems that Miami can create there with a smart coach. That's that's what makes me take this leap, Jim, with Miami is you you have somebody who can devise an offense and think three steps ahead of your defense. It's not like they've got some retread where we've seen with this, no. you know, dunce can do with an offense. I mean, this is a smart coach who's going to scheme up, scheme up things. I mean, there's, we've seen, we've seen okay quarterbacks have really great seasons when they've been schemed up. No question. Right. Individual seasons. I mean, Nick Foles, when that offense, when it was working with Chip Kelly, right? They have 27 touchdowns, two picks one year. Hey, it, it, lightning in a bottle can't be struck. So, all right, give me Miami. And then for the other team, I'll go with the Baltimore Ravens. I just feel like we've kind of been sleeping on a perennial playoff team where they were eight and three at the end of November last year after they beat Cleveland. And then Right, right around that is when they lost Lamar Jackson, but it wasn't just him. They had an apocalyptic string of injuries, both sides of the ball, all over the place. It was awful. I mean, they, they had like fourth stringers out there in the secondary, just a really sad group at times. And yet, listen, listen to how December and January went for them. They were at Pittsburgh, 2019 loss. At Cleveland, 24-22 loss. Green Bay, remember that Tyler Hundley had, was running all over the place. They yes. they gave that game away. They should have had it. Thirty-one thirty loss. They lose at Cincy, forty-one twenty-one. Burrow threw for about nine hundred yards after uh, the the defensive coordinator who has since been fired in Baltimore, who I actually like a lot, Wink Martindale, uh, was right, right talking smack, saying we don't have his gold jacket or all that. Um, but then they lose to the Super Bowl champs, the Los Angeles Rams, twenty nineteen. One point, Odell had a couple clutch catches late in the game that, that won that. And then they lost in overtime to the Steelers. So they're out there with this ragtag bunch and lost these one and two point games to finish eight and nine. No. It's, you get Lamar Jackson back, who's going to be hungry. He's not got just a him. lot of money to play for. Their corners, the defensive backs. Yes. They were so banged up last year. That was they're getting those guys back. This could be now. I like this pick. Like I like what you're saying here. This this is going to be where it, where can Lamar's legacy end up? Can he ever get past Mahomes and Josh Allen? You know, can he do it? And let's not forget about it, training camp, Jim. Do you remember the running backs that went down? J.K. Dobbins, uh, Gus the Edwards, whole, the whole team. Justice Hill. I mean, they lost three backs before the, the season whole team. began. They seriously weren't even right. So, but this to me will be the, yeah, this is where Lamar will legacy will always be. Like, is he going to be the guy that was just incredible, but ran into Josh Allen and Mahomes? Yeah. I mean, it's, but I like that. We're going to see. They did trade um, Hollywood Brown, obviously. Yeah. Who Lamar Jackson lobbied for. He told management to draft Hollywood Brown. Crazy and Brown, but Brown dropped. I, I like that they did that. He drops too many for me. He he dropped a lot of passes, and I'm, I'm, those are game changing. Like you, you. I'm sorry, but those are the those aren't characteristics of teams that win Super Bowls. Like guys that you know drop passes or like I, I just there's certain guys like go let somebody else change him, get him fixed. Yeah, he is obviously, obviously he's a weapon. I'm not saying, you know, I don't want to say he's not a weapon, but. But it's not as catastrophic of a loss as people might think. They like think Rashad so. Bateman a lot. They've got Devin Duvernay. I mean, it's not murderer's row of pass catchers. Not when you have but Lamar. Their, their offense is different there. Don't I forget mean, about they, that tight end. That tight end is a monster. Mark, yeah, Mark Andrews, it starts with him. So. They drafted Isaiah Likely, friend of the program. Yeah. Came on the half. I know, that was cool. Yeah. I saw that, yeah. 
but look at their, I mean, look at the first round. So you, you trade Hollywood Brown away. So you've got these two first rounders. Doesn't it seem Jim, I mean, so you, you were in the draft rooms and you're watching Baltimore year after year. I mean, ever since Ozzie Newsome took that thing over 96 and, and drafted Jonathan Ogden and Ray Lewis and set that whole foundation for success. It just seems like this team capitalizes on other teams screw ups like other teams just let a really good football player trickle down into the mid first round late first round and Baltimore pounces year after year Kyle Hamilton Notre Dame safety that make the case he's the best player in the draft and they got him in the middle of the first round so you add him and then they get healthy at defensive back exactly and they sign Marcus Williams and you got Marcus Williams. So you have him at safety with Hamilton. Tyler Linden, Linderbaum, Notre Dame. This is center. good. This is, or this Iowa, is I'm good. sorry. Iowa set like best center prospect that pro football focus has ever graded. So, and, you know, and like, you get him at the end of the first round. <laughs> like there's, it happens year after year with this team. I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. You go through their drafts. I mean, it's, it's nuts. I mean, Way back in 11, Jimmy Smith, 27th overall. Torrey yeah. Smith, 58th overall. Um, even that year, Pernell McPhee, 165. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, gosh, you go to... That's a good one. They drafted, I forgot, they drafted Kyle Juszczyk. Uh, then huh. then C- San Francisco got him. Uh, C.J. Mosley. Mosley. Zadarius so- Smith, 122. Yeah, I mean they don't they they, they have their misses like any team, but Matt Judon one forty six in twenty sixteen. Strong, strong drafts. Well, the best thing about the two things about the Ravens, I still want the story on how <laughs> you have your MVP quarterback, but yet you took the tight end from South Carolina Hurst before him. Yeah, that story needs. I need more on that one. And then this new thing with Greg Roman, it just came out, you know, with players saying, and that's always scary. You know, you don't want players rumbling like that in the media about the offensive coordinator. Did it surprise um, you or was it? I can't say it surprised me. Um, hmm. I think it's another example of, and I'm okay with it, just where players are just feeling a little more empowered and, if they don't believe in a coach and they think it's hurting their career, you know, they're going to make sure that that gets out there. It wasn't just Hollywood Brown either. I remember hearing it from other receivers that left. Was it Willie Sneed maybe when he left? I think he was vocal. Steve Smith on NFL network (laughs) had that epic rant. Epic. Out of nowhere railing against Greg Roman and called his, route designs and everything basically elementary right it's it's a hard one you know just working with him you know I don't spend enough time in the XO department you know we're not in those meetings and and really understanding what you know so that's where I don't ever know how you know obviously he knows a lot about football and his designs of his offenses that you know they're 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 fun to watch I mean that's a proven stat but I don't know. It's just funny when players come out like that. I just It's interesting. I mean, you've said it several times, but he wanted Matt Castle. Like that was his yeah. guy in Buffalo and yeah. he didn't want Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor becomes the starter. Greg Roman becomes this, you know, mm-hmm. running quarterback guru play designer from Colin Kaepernick to Tyrod Taylor to Lamar Jackson almost kind of falls into that. Um, when he didn't really want like that kind know, of quarterback. I would like to know how much Anthony Lynn had to do with our offense when Tyrod was, you know, we were, we, I felt like Anthony Lynn kind of, I'm talking about kind of when he came in, I like, I wonder if, I just wonder how good Anthony Lynn, you know, I think he was pretty good play caller. And he's in San Francisco now as the assistant head coach, which you lose Mike McDaniel, but you gain Anthony Lynn. That running game isn't going to miss a beat. No. 
but Guys, that's what I forget how good your running up. game was though in 2015, Jim. I mean, if it was, we talked about it, it was scary. 2,432 yards, 19 touchdowns. Um, and it was it was shady. I mean, he and he missed four games. Carlos Williams and he missed five games. Uh, it was a little bit of everything. Mike Gillisley had a few moments in there. Oh, we we got him off practice squad. Yeah. That was a guy we all like. Our pro scouting department, uh, Gerald Dixon, myself. We did some good work on him. We we liked him. I, I when I scouted him in Florida, he was just that like captain, tough guy that you wanted running back, you know. And then um, and that's how the pro scouting department works. Where you know Gerald Dixon brings him up to me. He's like, "Hey, man, this guy looks good. He's on the practice squad." And I was like, oh. "You know, I liked him at Florida." And then I watch him a little bit. Hey, like him. Whaley likes him. Boom, done. Pick him right off. What a great find. I remember in Florida, wasn't the thing free Gilly? Like they wanted him to get the ball more, all the fans. Yeah. They Way back then. Him. Yep. Then he scores three touchdowns for the Patriots in the opener in 2017. Incredible. And then he's just gone. <laughs> but you're right, Greg Roman, it's interesting. I I've talked to I've talked to a coach who he coached with, and this particular coach just went out of his way to say how much of a genius Greg Roman is when it comes to the run game and that he just does things that other coaches aren't even thinking of. Yeah. Richie Incognito, another one, you know, when he was in Buffalo, he, he was blown away. I mean, here's a guy who's coached with or played for just about every kind of coach could not say enough about Greg Roman's mind. So it's just wild. Isn't it crazy? Like here, here are receivers that are saying the guy's dumb as a play designer yeah, you hear again and again that he's brilliant when it comes to the run game the Ravens obviously are going to have to lean into that run game pretty hard this year fascinating I agree I mean that's how I look at when receivers and it's funny that Greg Roman's known for the run game it's the receivers that have issues with them yeah you know so it's something to pay attention to but that team talent was that's a good, that's a really good, the AFC, I mean, we've talked about the AFC is just, that's insane. I mean, we need Baltimore's get- front office and setup and culture and all that stuff <clears throat> that goes into building a team over oh, trying to like just snap a finger with the Deshaun Watson, <clears throat> right? Like, it I mean, we'll see what happens in Cleveland, but. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's funny how you talked about the Jets draft and, and you really like what the Jets did. Joe Douglas, you know, that's where he, you know, learned to scout was Baltimore. That's his whole history. And he brought his right-hand man up in the, with the Jets. His name's Chad Alexander, who he, who I've known Chad, who was on the pro side. He brought him with him from Baltimore. So, you know, it, there, he, Joe might be starting to get that same consistency of, you know, drafting guys and building free agency and all, if obviously if that quarterback hits, but I'm thinking about that now that this AFC East, the cultures might be, you know, with Miami's new coach, the Jets doing some things. Patriots, obviously, you know, it's something to pay attention to. I mean, that division, I don't think you're going to have those easy games. I feel like Ozzie Newsome in talking to him for that, for the book, he really stressed as a GM, how he trusts his scouts, right. And the work that they put in. Man, I'm telling all year you. round, and that really is how their board was built. Obviously, he kind of passed the reins down to Eric DaCosta, but Joe Douglas is probably going to be the same way in New York, where he came up as a scout, traveling, living on the road, talking to these guys, watching these guys nonstop. Where it's, a lot of teams aren't run by those kind of GMs; it's cap guys taking, and not the same ones, good or bad. I mean, we've seen like a Mickey Loomis have success, right? Sean right. guessing but, Sean Payton probably had a lot to say about the, that team. But Mickey didn't try to be anybody he wasn't. Interesting. Like he didn't yeah. try to take over the, and say, no, I want this guy. Mickey was, he listened, 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 trusted scouts. Sean Payton trusted scouts. It was, it, we've talked about it. It's fun when you're mm-hmm. like Baltimore. It's fun working for when you know you just, it's like a machine. Like you just, everybody is like, you know, as a scout, all the work you do and all this effort you're putting in, 
it's going to work out because the guys at yeah. the top are, you know, t- they got this thing. That's how it's really described it's, it's, around the league, a machine in Baltimore. It's just it, this well-oiled, self-sustaining, scouting machine. Yeah, they, and they keep their guys. I mean, they keep their – the Costa, you know, they had him in place. Joe Ortiz is another right-hand man in Baltimore. Known him forever. I, I always respected him. So, well, uh, Lamar's just, got them by the you-know-what, though, doesn't he? He can ask for any amount of money he wants. It's going to be – that's <laughs> history gotta, right there. I mean, if you're Baltimore, what are your other options? If no. I, He's not going to – He's, you know what he is. He, you can win with him. He's an MVP. You you have to pay him. I, I think he's in that category. Oh, yeah. There's no question. Yeah. How could you justify? How are you going to ever beat Mahomes and Josh Allen? I'd take my, you know, take your chances with him and, and you have a good defense. Yep. So. And you, you know, you're going to keep drafting well with that you just, machine yeah. that you have. All right. That's hey. enough of, uh, the rainbows and sunshine and flowers and we got the mice bowl prediction. No, we got to get to the mice out of the shed now, right? We got to get to the bad. That's always fun. All right. So I'm like, part one. Come, I think my takes on the bad are going to be a little more like your, a little more bold predictions. I like it. I like it. All right. So without further ado, we'll finish up this episode of part one and get on to part two thank you everyone